You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hello, friends. Well, Franciscan. Well, welcome to the Gravity <laughs> Leadership Podcast. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I'm in. Uh, you'll have no idea why Matt is talking about Franciscans. Uh, but we, the intro we recorded for last week, uh, Matt got confused and thought it was this week. But we're talking with a Franciscan today. Somebody from Albert? the Order of Francis. That's fun to say, Franciscan. 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 Yes. Yeah. Father Albert Haas uh, talks with us today about what it looks like to become an ordinary mystic. Yeah, which mm. uh, we wanted to chat with him because he uh, describes, I, I find myself describing what we do at Gravity about 10,000 different ways. Mm. Um, and one of, the, one of the many ways I describe what we do at Gravity is helping someone become an everyday, ordinary contemplative. Hmm. So that it's not something you have to like wash dishes in a monastery to achieve, you know, or or go spend, learn how to levitate. Yeah, let's spend a year in the woods, <laughs> yeah, commune yeah. with the trees. But rather, yeah. like, what do you do when you're having breakfast hmm. with your family? Somebody spills the milk, your child's yelling at your spouse, you know, and you have a splitting headache. Like, how is there any way to be to have some kind of contemplative hmm. connection with God and reality in that moment? And one of the things we do, I think it's one of the fruits of the things we train people to do is have that. And this is what Albert's book is about. And so, yeah. Father Albert, excuse me, Father. And so there, and so, <laughs> he's a Franciscan. And so there's, uh, <laughs> j- and his, his energy is contagious, you guys. Yeah. He, his energy surprised me. I, I, he's I sort of expected years old a, and he's, 
I expected a monk to sort of be this quiet, you know, like I think I expect every monk to sound like Dallas Willard for some reason. <laughs> it's, my, it's probably my problem. But, you know, Dallas was so like soft spoken, very Richard careful. Roar. Yeah, Roar is the same way. Mm. Uh, but this guy's like, this guy's like crazy full of energy. He is. Uh, and, and he's got a, it, it's, he's fun. He's, he's a lot of fun to talk to. I want to talk to, so. to him again. We got to find some, another reason to get him some on the reason. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Well, enjoy this interview, friends. And um, please reach out, podcast at gravityleadership.com if you have any questions or suggestions or want to connect further, um, all that stuff. Hey. Yeah. Anything else we need to announce, guys, here, at the, here in the middle of July? We're here and we're doing it. We're, we're, doing, doing, we're doing it. <laughs> That's what we're Annou- announcing. Announcing so like everybody. Announce that we're here and that we're, we're still doing here. It. We're still doing it. You know, all there's right. uh, all jokes aside, Harvin, I think uh, that is something to be celebrated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in these days. Yes. Uh, as you say. There's, as we, say. we are, uh, you know, enduring a rebound of this pandemic. Yeah. Uh, certain people are like, <laughs> I've seen in my social media scroll today, like how to wear mask videos that people are tweeting out. And these are mm-hmm. most of the people that haven't been wearing masks for five months. Thanks a lot. And mm-hmm. so like, there's this, Hey, maybe we should start wearing masks so that this pandemic doesn't rebound. And uh, it's one of like 12 things a day that you can just become exasperated about yep. and mm-hmm. just drive your head through a wall. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Hartman, I think celebrating that we're here and that we and are doing it. And that we're, we're doing, doing it, it right, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's it's not this, not to be taken lightly. Yeah, it hasn't tanked us yet, so <laughs> which is and which is why we're doing this series on spiritual also, formation. That's actually the new tagline for gravity. Yeah, that's actually yeah. the new tagline for our business. Right, life hasn't tanked us yet. <laughs> we're, we're still here and still doing it. Uh, Sign up so, for coaching. We, so, yes, <laughs> something to be said about it. Something All right, we should get it. A, we should make way for the for the uh, yeah. Albert. For Albert, here he is. Enjoy the episode, guys. <laughs> Father Albert Haas, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Well, thank you. It's great to be here, Matt. Great to be with you and your people and your listeners. Yes. Father Albert, you are in Texas at a retreat house, really close to Fort Hood. Yeah. Uh, so we have training exercises. Training exercises today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really glad that for this occasion, they're lighting off rockets and mortars. Mm, yeah. uh, just to celebrate, perhaps, your first appearance on the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Um, there's That's more to know about. It. There's more to know about you than that, though. Would you give a brief introduction mm. to our audience, who you are, what you spend your time doing? Yeah. So I, uh, I'm, I'm currently the chaplain at Cedar Break Retreat Center in Temple, Texas, in the Roman Catholic Diocese of Austin. I live on 75 acres of land. Uh, mm. It's all wooded. It's really a beautiful, beautiful place. It's part. It was part of the ancient ancestral home of the Tonkawa Native American Indians. And so we actually have one burial mound on our property right outside our chapel. Uh, and so I'm the chaplain here. I'm also a Franciscan priest. Franciscan priest means that as a Franciscan friar, I 
express my discipleship with Jesus by living according to the rule that Francis of Assisi wrote in 1223. And I was ordained a Catholic priest uh, in 1983. So that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. That's well, before we jump in, you've written a book with InterVarsity called Becoming an Ordinary Mystic, Spirituality mm. for the Rest of Us. Before we jump into that, can I just ask you what— what appealed to you about the Franciscan tradition? Why, why that tradition instead of uh, Benedictine or, or oh, Dominican? Well, as as anyone will tell you, if you ask any Franciscan friar what attracted you to the order, they will always give you the same answer, and that is, it is the person of Francis himself, because hmm. Francis so so radically imitated Jesus in such a way that there's almost a gravitational pull to Francis. And by being gra- by being pulled towards Francis, you, in effect, become pulled towards uh, Jesus Christ himself. You know, it's, it's interesting because it was a great scandal in the Middle Ages, but about 30 years after Francis died, he was oftentimes referred to as an altar Christus, another mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, that's really the attraction that somehow or another, by following Francis's rule, uh, somehow or another, we feel that we come closer to Jesus. Yes. Well, it strikes me then, maybe this is a good segue, that part of one of the ways to describe your book, Becoming an Ordinary Mystic, is uh, how, how to follow Francis. <laughs> like how, <laughs> how, to, how to become more like Francis. Uh, is, that a fair, is that a fair categorization? I- I think so. I think so. But I think an even more accurate, an accurate, more accurate description would really be that the book really tries to describe how to live with a deeper awareness and a deeper mindfulness of how God is so very close to us and how mm-hmm. each and every day of our lives, God is trying to communicate to us. You know, as a mm-hmm. as a young Franciscan, I used to I lived my life, I used to always walk around with my ear up in the clouds, thinking that by walking with my ears up in the clouds, I would really be attuned to the voice of God. And now at age 65, I've come to realize that if you really want to hear the voice of God in your life, Keep your ears to the ground. Mm -hmm. Listen to your life because your life is the megaphone through which God speaks to us. God speaks to us through the people who come into our life, in the situations we find ourselves in, in our deepest feelings and emotions, and in our most creative thoughts. So my very life is this megaphone that God is constantly trying to speak to me. And and what I call an ordinary mystic is somebody who simply lives with that awareness, that mindfulness, um, of being aware of just how close God is. Yeah. Ben, what occurs to you when uh, Father Albert says that? I mean, yeah, this, you're speaking our language here. I mean, this is, <laughs> well, this is right me, up our alley. Well, let me, so we love it. Well, let me, if I, if I may take it a little, little bit further, if it's Please. okay. Please. You know, St. Paul, according to the Acts of the Apostles, when St. Paul preached about the shrine to the unknown God at the Areopagus, He quotes a pagan poet and he says, in God, we live, we move, we have our very being. Mm -hmm. 
And that just shows you we're surrounded by God. Mm-hmm. God is like the air we breathe. Or, or maybe maybe God is the air we breathe. And so when we approach, when we approach spiritual formation, mm-hmm. we don't approach spiritual formation to get anything because we already got it. We're in God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the challenge in spiritual formation is simply to become aware of what we already have. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it's kind of like the great insight to spiritual formation. It is written on your automobile. Because on the passenger side, mm-hmm. rear view mirror, mm-hmm. at the very bottom, it says <laughs> right. objects in mirror are closer okay. than they appear. And I always yeah. tell people, scratch off the word objects uh-huh. and put God. Yes. God is closer than God appears. Yeah, and that's yeah. really what being an ordinary mystic is all about. It's just living with that heightened awareness that we are surrounded and we Im- we are embedded in the reality mm. of this Godhead, this, this God of unconditional love. Well, yeah. We're about six minutes into this, and I think Beautiful. Ben Sternke Ben Sternke is eighty-nine uh, percent of the way to becoming a Franciscan priest. <laughs> I think I was, I was already seventy-five before this call. <laughs> no, this uh, this is great. Uh, I do. I would want to say this, like you know, one of our so we train leaders, um, and one of the one of the things we one of our convictions about leadership is that. Um, in, to use your language, to be a to be a good Christian leader, is to uh, you first have to become an ordinary mystic. You first have to pay attention to how God is working and moving and in, in, in me, right? So that I can become aware of how how do I create space so God can so that we can co- together, right? So leadership is always involving somebody else, so we can together pay attention to how God is at work in our organization, in our midst, in our church, you know, whatever. In, my, in our family, you know, whatever we happen to be kind of doing together, um, whatever we happen to be leading. Um, so one of our axioms is that God is um, God is always present and at work. Uh, another one is that God meets us in our ordinary life. Like that's that's the place where we meet God. So resonating really strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, I might ask you this question then, uh, maybe push that a little bit further down the field. Um, I think sometimes when people hear that God meets them in their ordinary life, like on the one hand, it sounds really uh, like a relief, right? <laughs> like he's not hard to find. Okay, <laughs> I'm living my life every day, so God is here. But how how do you know? My life is filled with things that don't feel warm and fuzzy. My life is filled with conflict. My life is filled with anxiety. Uh, my life is filled with problems. What do you mean that God meets us in the midst of those things? Is He causing those things to happen? I'm sure you wouldn't say this, but like, you know what I mean? Like, how do I meet God in the midst of that? How how does that square with the fact that my life might not be what I think of as like good, and I'm not always having warm fuzzies? How do I meet God in well, hard? You know, times? I think I I think you're, you're talking like a Catholic Ben because because ninety four percent we're ninety four percent of the way there. <laughs> yeah, we're, we we're getting there. Podcast and the reason why I say that is because that is kind of the misconception mm. that so many Catholics have. So many mm. Catholics have this cockamamie belief that mm. if I'm right with God, then my life is going to be all popcorn, mm. balloons, and roses. Oh, and yeah. I think we have to remember that there is a dark side to grace. Hmm. Yes, yeah, say more about called, that. Yeah. And it's called it's called the dark night. 
and the great Carmelite mystic of the 16th century, John of the Cross, wrote a lot about it. But I think it's, a, it's important to remember that at every moment of my life, God is trying to come deeper and deeper and deeper into my life. He's trying to get me to swing open the door of my heart. And when I resist that, when I resist opening up my heart, that's where so much of my frustration is self-imposed because mm. my frustration is, a, oh, let, me, let, me, let me tell you a great little story. I was preaching, I was preaching in a United Methodist church in Laramie, Wyoming. This was about six years ago. And uh, at the Sunday service, there was a man sitting in the front pew, right off the front pew in a wheelchair. And he, he came up to me after the service and he said, oh, Father, he says, I've got to talk to you. So I said, well, why don't you come over, come over to the chancery office tomorrow and we'll find a place, you know, somewhere where we can have a little chat. So he came over the following day and we found this room and he wheeled himself into the room. And I, I put a chair across from him. We closed the door. I start talking to him. He's an MDI doctor, an ophthalmologist by the name of Dr. Ed. And after we got chit-chatted for about 10 minutes, I said, so Dr. Ed, I said, what are we here for? And I will never forget it, uh, Matt and Ben. He starts hitting the armrest of the wheelchair. And he says to me, Father, we're here because of this doggone chair. He said, I've got MS. And he said, for the past 20 years, I've been confined to this chair. And he says, you know, every day, I asked Jesus, I just have one favor to ask of you, Jesus, get me out of this wheelchair. Mm. And he says, I'm still in this wheelchair. He said, I have prayed to every saint. I have gone to every healing service and I'm still stuck in this wheelchair. And then I remember he takes the hand and he keeps hitting it. And he says, Father Albert, this is the enemy. This is the enemy. This is the enemy. Mm. Matt and Ben, I don't know where this came from because it was like an out-of-body experience for me. But I suddenly saw myself lean over, and I just touched the right armrest of his wheelchair. And I said, Dr. Ed, this is not the enemy. This is your instrument of spiritual transformation. And the minute you can accept it is the minute you will be mentally free from it. Hmm. The fact is, we all have a wheelchair in our lives. And I think for a lot of us, for a lot of Roman Catholics, I don't know about, about the people you work with, but for <laughs> a lot of Roman Catholics, they keep trying to pray the, the wheelchair away. Yes. Jesus himself had his own special name for the wheelchair. Seven times in the Gospels, mm -hmm. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross. Yeah. The cross, however it comes into my life, mm -hmm. the cross is my instrument of transformation. It can also be my instrument of purification. So, so this idea, so God meets us. God yeah. meets us on the journey as we carry our cross. He doesn't always take it away. And thank goodness he doesn't. Because my wheelchair, my cross, is the very thing that can transform me into a person of love, 
And it's also the very thing that challenges me to lean hard on Jesus for mm. help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder then, how, Father Robert, how do you handle this? If somebody comes to you with, uh, maybe they have, you know, COVID-19, or maybe they have uh, another pathology or antipathy that they, uh, that we know it's not, you know, God's desire is to heal and to redeem and to save and to set free and to liberate, right? And we know the new creation will have these bodies that uh, we don't get uh, we don't sneeze, you know? <laughs> so how do you hold together the wheelchair as an instrument of sanctification or spiritual formation and God desires your healing? Um, how, how do you, do you, like, I'm just curious. And as, as a, well, as a, I, I, yeah. Matt, I, I think the older we get and the more we mature in our spiritual formation and the spiritual life, we come to hold the tension. Because that's a that's a real tension. Because mm-hmm. you, you hit the nail right on the head. It is God's desire to heal us, or to use Jesus's language to give us life in abundance. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, at the same time, we find each each of us find ourselves in some kind of a wheelchair. And so, I think part of spiritual maturity is learning how to live with that tension. So there's no, you know, there's no. I mean. I really, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but I really resent Roman Catholics are great at throwing holy water on people's tragedies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they throw holy water on people, and they, and they say, well, it, it's, it's, it's a gift from God, and you just need to see it like that. Well, you know, I don't always agree with that approach. Mm. I think sometimes light and darkness go hand in hand on the spiritual journey. And I think yeah. as we grow and mature in the spiritual life, we see just that. You know, I in, in my book, Becoming an Ordinary Mystic, I have a whole chapter on what I call moments of mystery. You know, those moments in our lives that just don't make sense vis-a-vis the unconditional love of God. And how do we walk through those mm. moments of mystery when in point of fact, we believe and we know that God is his God of unconditional love. Mm. Yes. So all of that is to say there's no yes. one answer, and I apologize yeah. for that. No, that, that, that's really helpful, I think, because I, I do think that, um, I think the ditches we easily fall into when it comes to our wheelchairs or our crosses, what, one ditch is that we we sort of demand that God meet our expectations about it. Like I, like I will, I demand that you heal me and I'm going to, this is a test for you, God, right? Like I'll, I'll believe you're present and at work in my life when this happens to me, right? When this happens. So we, that that's one ditch. And I think the other ditch is just assuming that God gave me the wheelchair for some sort of purpose that's mysterious, you know, in heaven, rather than the tension that you're talking about, which I think is really important uh, for us to embrace. That that and the tension is, God didn't like do this to me in some mm. sort of volitional act, yeah. but God ha- can take everything that has happened to me and work it for good. Yeah. Not just can do it, but does but do it. is doing it, right. This yeah. beautiful thing, you know what I love? Two things I want to just, if I could respond to you, Matt. Just yeah. two things. One, in the history of Christian spirituality, which is what my doctorate is, I, I, that's what I'm, I, that's that's always on the top of my mind. There's that wonderful story about the 16th century Carmelite mystic Teresa of Avila. 
And yeah. Teresa of Avila was in a coach and she was riding to one of her convents and the coach hit a bump in the road and she fell out of the coach. And the story goes, St. Teresa of Avila looked up to heaven and said, Oh God, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder they are so few. So that's one thing. But the other thing, I, I, I just, I'm having a senior moment because there was something else I wanted to say about um, what you just spoke to mm. with regards to the wheelchair. What did you? Oh, oh, I love the image because it shows how God can use the wheelchairs and the crosses in our lives. I love the image that to this very day, right now, the risen Christ still has his wounds. Mm -hmm. God didn't heal him. Mm -hmm. he, they stopped bleeding, but they suddenly become almost marks of blessing. Mm -hmm. So much so that Thomas Thomas will put his finger in them in order to come to believe. Yes. And so I think it's important to remember that no experience in my life, whether it's tragic or it's good, no experience in my life is ever wasted when it comes to the grace of God. Because God mm -hmm. uses all of this stuff in order to heal us and to and, and, and we bring it all to heaven yeah. and in our resurrected form it's we're going to still have it all as a part of our history yeah. god never denies our history This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. So, so then maybe let's, let's press into, we keep using this word God as though we all know what that is referring to. Um, and one of the things that... Uh, we find when we encounter people in, in their wheelchairs is that there's often this sense of God is not present, God is absent, or God has said, this is God's punishment because I did that one thing back in 1983, mm. and, now, and now this is sort of, uh, th this must be my penance, I guess. I have, to, mm. I have to carry this wheelchair as sort of to make it up. You have a section in your book about, um, about how our image of God can determine whether we even want that God to be present or not. Oh. Right? Can you say more about that? Well, let me let me tell you something, Matt. So I, I've written 11 books now, and the more I write on spiritual formation and the older I get, the more I come to realize your image of God is the most critical piece of your spiritual formation because how you think about God will always affect your spiritual formation. Let me give you a perfect, perfect example of that. I did not know her, but I knew her best friend. And from her best friend, I had heard that Gertrude, 
who was 83 years old, Gertrude spent more than 60 years of her life fearing God and fearing death. And the reason why 83-year-old Gertrude feared God and feared death was simply because she had committed a horrible sin when she was 20 years old. And she just presumed that mm. God was going to throw it up in her face on when she stood before God on Judgment Day. Yes. Mm. So at 83, Gertrude dies. And I didn't know her, but I knew her best friend. Mm. And so as a way of supporting her best friend, I went to the funeral, to the wake service. So I drive to the I drive to the funeral home and I walk into the funeral parlor and it's an open coffin. And I, and I see this open coffin and there is the corpse of 83-year-old Gertrude. Again, I didn't know her. Mm -hmm. But I distinctly remember, and this is true, I put my hand on the coffin and this was my prayer. I said, oh God, knock her socks off. Make her aware that she wasted too much time mm. living in fear of you. Knock her socks off with your love, your mercy, and your compassion. Mm. Well, as I'm as I'm praying, as I'm praying that prayer, this woman comes up to me. Now, this woman thinks that I knew 83-year-old Gertrude in the coffin. And the woman said something which was right on target. The woman said to me, You know, Father. Gertie would have been a different person if only she had had a different God. But mm. the God she believed in was hard as nails and carried a big stick. Mm. And that's yeah. true. Gertrude would have been a different person if only she had had a different God. But you see, the way she thought about God influenced everything about her spiritual formation. Yeah. So how do we meet this other God? How do we meet this God Jesus reveals? What are, how do we rehabilitate? So, so, so what I have a whole chapter uh, in the book about how to kind of rehabilitate or how to how to um, change your image of God. And what I suggest is a little spiritual practice where you you look over your entire life. And then I have some specific questions dealing with the different images of God that Jesus offers us. And so mm -hmm. let me just, I'll just read a couple of them just to give you a sense. So I said, as a shepherd, when and how did God guide me in the right direction? How did he seek me out when I went astray? How has he protected me from the wolves of life? Hmm. As a vine grower, when and how did God prune me and challenge me to accept the disappointment? How and when did God strengthen me to endure a tragedy? As a welcoming father, when and how did God surprise me with a hospitable response to my petition or with careful attention to the details of my life? How and when has God welcomed me and celebrated my presence with him? As a diligent woman, when and how did God go out of his way to notice me, to find me? Anyway, so I just, I, I what, I, what I did was I went through the Gospels and I pulled all the different images of God that Jesus uses. And I said, if people would just learn to, re to reflect on their life vis-a-vis -vis these questions, they will come to see 
just how cockamamie their image of God might be and how off track it is from this loving God Mm. that Jesus revealed to us. But I'm telling you, I'm telling both of y'all, the way you image God is the most critical piece of spiritual formation. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, yeah, it is. And I, I find too that, you know, we, we actually talk about this a lot in how we work with leaders, but I find in my bones, so, sort of like in my body lives this false image of God. And I'll find myself reacting or responding or relating to that false image. And it's almost um, subconscious or, yeah. or pre-conscious. And yeah. then I have to like, oh, I have to recognize it. Does that, does that happen to you? Do you see that? Well, let me tell you something. You know where your image of God comes from? Hmm. It always comes from your childhood and it gets Hmm. into our DNA. And we all have a default image of God that usually is rooted in something from our childhood. Because one of the points that I make in, in, in the book, Becoming an Ordinary Mystic, is what you lacked in your childhood or what you think you lacked in your childhood in the adult can become an obsession. And I think it's important to remember that we outgrow our images of God the older and older and older we get. I mean, at 65 years old, the God that I believe in today is very different from the God I believed in when I was in my 20s. And part of what the dark night and part of what a tragedy makes it so difficult is because a tragedy, an experience of the dark night, always purifies me of my image of God so that the reality of who God really is can come deeper into my life. And yet we cling to our images of God because we those are the very things that we rely upon in spiritual formation. But we need to remember that my image of God is simply that. It's an image. And it is a false image. It's a golden calf. And it has to be shattered so that who God really is can come deeper into my life. But that's always hard. And that's why spiritual darkness is such a challenge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this, I think this is why it's so important. Another one of our axioms is that the God who is always present and at work, it, uh, that Jesus reveals this God, that God looks like Jesus, that, um, which, and you keep saying this, the God that Jesus reveals. And and I think that's so important because we can rummage around in the Bible and, and probably find some texts that seem to indicate that seem to show, Oh yeah, this is what God is like here. Here's what God is like. And, And it can be really confusing for people unless they have, um, this icon, you know, the, the human one, Jesus to be able to come back to, to say, all right, that like this is this is uh, this is what God is really like here. Yeah, even and, when it seems like there's conflict. And can I say something, Ben? Because yeah. I think, yeah, and th- this might and this might be a little bit shocking for some of your listeners, but you know, I think this is part of the problem with institutional religion uh-huh. because institutional religion boxes God in. Any no nobody's going to join join a church that says we might have God we might not have God we really don't know yeah. no that's why every every institution every expression of Christianity the tendency is always to box God in 
We've got God. And if you want to have God, you got to find yourself in our church. Mm. And then you have the mystical tradition, which comes along and says, wait a minute. Mm. God is always found outside the box. And so in the history of Christian spirituality, there has always been this tension between the institutional God and the mystical God. And in point of fact, we need them both because in the Mm. clash between the institutional God and the mystical God, in that clash, we come to deeper and deeper and deeper insights into the reality of this God that Jesus called Abba. Mm. If all you have is the institutional God, you have committed a grave sin because you have figured God out. And Augustine said, if you understand it, it's not God. (laughs) And if all you have is the mystical God, you end up making God a Wi-Fi signal and (laughs) and you can't fall in love with a Wi-Fi signal. So we really need them both because it's in that conflict between the institutional God and the mystical God that we come and we have come to deeper and deeper insights. (laughs) That's uh, that sounds a lot like Merton. I think know. so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Top- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of my big heroes. Yeah. 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 We talked about that a lot. Yes. So maybe as we wrap up here, Father Albert, um, you, I, I want to be really clear. Like you are so practical in this book, mm. in the sense of this isn't highfalutin historical theology or uh, hey be like John of the Cross who lived in a prison for t- six years and you know uh, starved himself and found God but this is like take one minute to do this and you mm. you you actually have uh, in in the beginning of your book you actually have like here's how you learn to live as a mystic in the present and you talk about a four-step process. Would Stop you just give? And go, yeah. Yeah. Would you just unpack that for us here, so people can get a sense for how how tangible? Okay. So, yeah. so, so I, I I offer this spiritual practice to all the people who come to me for spiritual direction. When I was five years old, my mama took me outside of New Orleans. My mother never called me by my name, Albert. She always called me Sugar Pie. And mama said, "Now, Sugar Pie, when you cross a street, you have to do four things." You stop, look, listen, go. And when mama, as I've reflected on, I now realize Mm. this is a great practical way to live in the present moment. You're not going to spend 20 minutes doing this. You're going to spend two minutes and you're going to do it five times a day. You're going to stop. You're going to take a few deep breaths and you're going to call yourself mentally back to where you are here and now. Because most Mm. of us, Physically, we're one place, but mentally, we're in the future or we're in the past. So you're going to stop and come back to the present moment. Then you're going to look. And what I mean by look is pay attention to what your five senses are registering. Mm. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you smelling? What are you tasting? Mm. What are you touching? Mm. Because our five senses are the key that opens up the tabernacle of what Jean-Pierre de Cossard calls the sacrament of the present moment, that we only encounter God in the here and now. Then after you have looked, you then listen, which simply means you ask God, what is he asking of me right now? 
Is he calling me to prayer? Is he calling me to respond to the person in front of me who's asking for a handout? Is he calling me to prepare tonight's dinner? Is he calling me to put the clothes in the dryer? So I really listen because God manifests his will in each and every moment of our lives. And then you go, you respond to this. It's a simple little practice. Stop, look, listen, go. Do it four or five times a day, just for two minutes. And the more you practice it, it will gradually become second nature. And suddenly you will find yourself living in the present moment without even being aware of it. Because I think, Matt and Ben, living in the present moment doesn't happen by osmosis. It It is not our default mode. Our default mode is either to be filled with worry and anxiety and live in the future, or our default mode is to be stuck in the past with guilt and uh, guilt and regret. So we need we need to retrain ourselves to become, as Jesus will say, become like a little child. Because mm. newborn babies don't know the past and they don't know the future. All a newborn baby knows is the present moment. And yet as they grow up, They learn guilt and they learn worry and anxiety. And so Jesus says, if you really want to enter the kingdom, you got to be like a child. You got to come back to the present moment. Hmm. Well, Father Albert, thank you so much. This has been, yeah, I mean, your your energy and love for Jesus is infectious. And, uh, you know, I think you're speaking from your, your Catholic context but just as people who work with a lot of Protestants, we also work with some Catholics, but mostly Protestants, uh, the things that beset your tradition are are not peculiar to you, to your tradition. I think mm-hmm. I think many of us can resonate and understand what you're dealing with here. Uh, you've mentioned you've written eleven other books. You've mentioned you you work at a retreat center. How can people how can people get in touch with you beyond your book if they want to? Okay, so they can always go to my website, which is A-L-B-E-R-T-O-F-M dot org. And, and they can see all of my books and they can see my five DVDs that I've published with Paraclete Press. And they can also find my contact information. And I'm currently, I'm currently doing with a Protestant minister in Chicago, uh, we, we're doing a at-home retreat on the Lord's Prayer. And so if they go to YouTube, and just type in at home retreat with the Lord's Prayer. They will see uh, Pastor Phil of ruaspace.com. They'll see fat Pastor Phil and I and our online free retreat on the Lord's Prayer. Oh. All right. I just wrote that down. Thank you so much, Father Albert. Oh, uh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, stay. Yeah, a lot stay, of fun. Yeah, stay indoors as long as Fort Hood is shooting, okay? <laughs> I will, I will. This goes on once a month, so I'm kind of used to it. All right. Bless you. All right. And God bless all of y'all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at AaronSternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. 
you'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.